In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God of precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We are a Georgia Bulldogs show. I am your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim, and homie, the long, long winter is over. It is game week. Let's go. Let's go indeed. Week zero was yesterday. We are taping on Sunday. Got to enjoy the little snippet, little taste of college football. It was lots of blowouts, but it was still nice to see it. Had some fun, had a few cocktails, got to see some college football. It is back. And even though it is still extremely hot, fall is in the air. For all the ladies out there, pumpkin spice is all over the grocery stores. So it is here. Yeah, man, it's here for sure. And one of the exciting things for us now is this kicks off season two of the Saturday in Athens Pick'em Challenge. We got folks that have already signed up to come back. I think like close to 60 folks in the league again. Going to give out the 10 pounds of red to the season-ending winner. We've got some awesome presenting partners this year. Classic City Collective, uh, the NIL arm for the dogs, is uh, one of the partners. And then we also have Haver Supply, which has awesome gear. And then we've got Peach State Light by our good buddy Jake. Um, so just so fired up to have all three of them involved. They're going to be great partners, supplying incredible prizes for the weekly winners, for the season-ending winners. So be sure and support all three of them. Uh, we got links to all their stuff in the show notes of each episode. So make sure and follow them, engage with them, um, you know, support their products, all those things. They're, they're all three great organizations and companies. So yeah, we're, we're pumped up to have everybody on board. Um, and yeah, man, it's game week. So I think probably one of the more exciting things about this is the community of college football is back. I think that's the thing I end up missing most now is everything associated with the week buildup and getting to talk about the games and getting to think about the games and getting to see the people that we've grown to love and have a relationship with as it comes to college football. And yeah, man, and us get to do this. So I'm just... Man, I just feel a lot of joy, like I'm sure everybody else does. But uh, what are you most looking forward to as we're about to kick things back off? Honestly, all day Saturday, because it's not just the games. Like you said, it's getting on Twitter, seeing the community, seeing everybody, the fandoms. It's the traditions. It's everything else. And like we talked about before, this might be the last year we really get all of that feeling. There'll be some of it next year, but because of all the conference realignment and all the changes that are coming, I'm really looking forward to savoring as every last little bit that we're going to get of as much tradition as we can, because we don't really know what next season's going to look like. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, you know, I think you kind of got to breathe this whole experience in because the college football we've known and grown up with, I mean, in a lot of ways, it hasn't been that for a little bit, but it's really making a big jump and shift after this year. I thought the introduction of that was the clock rules yesterday. Didn't that kind of throw you a little bit? Yeah, it did. 
It was weird. It felt way more like an NFL game. Yeah, it was really weird. I didn't really love it. Don't know if I'm ever going to love it. I thought the pacing was just, man, it just felt fast. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. Maybe it's one of those things, you know, you just get used to and you'll kind of forget about it. But I, I didn't love that. I'll tell you too, man, the other piece of this, and we've talked about this a bunch off air and have talked about it a little bit on air. But for me, man, the thing that's coolest about this, especially given that it's a home game to start, is that we kind of get that big time college football community and fellowship back. I've told you this before, man, like we, we talk on the show about being deacon board of the church of tailgate, right? And I think there's just so much energy and synergy between those two concepts. Like I think college football and the fandom and love that's around that, man, it ain't much different than going to church on a Sunday. We just do it kind of backwards. So like, yeah, we start things off with the after, with the after church picnic, we tailgate and see everybody and ask them how their mom and them are doing and figure out what's going on in everybody's lives and everybody's community. And then we head over to the church service and we file into the pews that we sit in every Saturday. And we have our pew mates that we sit with and we catch up with them. And then Pastor Whitmire comes over to the loudspeakers and welcomes us in and sets the service up. And we got the Red Coat Marching Band Choir that, that leads us in all the music. And then, you know, the dogs perform the service and we all kind of get to congregate and rejoice in that and, and hallelujah together. So, man, I just love that. And I just think it's the coolest thing in the world. And I can't wait to, uh, to be right in the thick of that and right in the middle of that again, brother. I completely agree. And one of the greatest things about college football is the passion and the fan bases and everything like that. And I mean, we're obviously Georgia fans and we think that we're, we're right up there with everything, but it's, it's not just our fan base. It's all of the fan bases and everyone's excited that college football is back. So, and it's always a long, like we're always excited, especially the past couple of years, dogs have been in the playoffs, dogs won the national championship. But it's always bittersweet when the season ends. And we talked about this after the last couple of seasons ended because we got that long winter, then the long spring, then the really long summer. And then we're just waiting for it to get back. I want to ask you about this because we talked about it on our last episode. We both kind of talked about how we thought Sam Hartman, <clears throat> excuse me, how Sam Hartman would fit at Notre Dame and talked about whether he would translate into a more pro style offense and how that would look and you had brought up last episode that they were one of the most compelling teams in the country as we head into this season. And look, I will caveat this with, I understand it was Navy. Navy is struggling and has been struggling. But visually, just from an eye test perspective, boy, did that Notre Dame offense look different than it's looked in a little bit. And I thought that Sam Hartman looked on time with everything. He had some absolutely beautiful touch throws. I thought he made some great checks at the line of scrimmage, looked really in command of that offense. And didn't it seem to you that, boy, they have taken rank and file behind him too. Like he seems to be firmly entrenched as one of the top leaders on that football team. And, man, they hot start for them yesterday. They were not even tested at any point. The leadership aspect is what I was actually most impressed with. I mean, I think – We'll learn a little bit more once they get a little bit tougher competition um, about how he translates into more pro-style offense. I mean, yes, he was on point yesterday, but like you said, it was against Navy. Uh, but the leadership aspect, I mean, there was no question that he's the undoubted leader of that offense. And I think he's the undoubted leader of that team. At any point in time, like, uh, I, I don't, I think this was actually in the third quarter. I mean, game's well in hand, but a receiver, maybe it was a tight end, ran 
an in route and they were supposed to run an out route. And I mean, I was like 35-3 at this point or something like that. Maybe it was 28-3. He hit light into him, but you could tell he was like, you know, this was like second or first or second down. So they still had another play to run, but he still grabbed the guy by the, uh, by the shirt Jersey and was like, Hey, you got to like point it in or pointed the other direction the way he was supposed to run, like trying to tell him like coach him on the field. And there was no, he, the guy's like, okay, good. You know, and then went, ran the next play, like no questions asked, just like, okay, my bad, you know, moved on. So they bought in to the Sam, to Sam Hartman. And I mean, good for him. I mean, I'm really curious to see how he does. You know, anyone who's listened to us knows we love Sam Hartman. So we're rooting for the guy. Unless they play Georgia, we're rooting for the guy. All right. And I mean, I can't have you on here and be looking at that beautiful face and not call it out. Is Sam Hartman trying to look like my man? I mean, grew out the luscious black locks with the full beard. I mean, he, he, he's almost as handsome as my co-host now. <laughs> the hair was more impressive because he started, he always had a little fuzz. He just never grew it out. So he was very capable of the beard, but having the long hair, I was pretty shocked. He's, he's trying to look like me and Steve Hutchinson over here. I tell you, brother, it's, it's, it's going to be the Hutchinson brothers, the Hutchinson <laughs> triplets. I'm going to put all three of you up side by side and have the people out there vote on this, these handsome brothers that are all out there. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to selfie me after this episode is over so I can put it out to the people. Well, me and Hutch got a lot more gray in our, in our beards these days than, than he does. So he's a lot younger than us. Dude, I'll tell you, when he came out, I mean, I'd seen the pictures, but like when I saw him on TV, I said, he's looking like my boy. So it was funny when, he, when I saw him with the helmet on, I was like, that's how my hair used to look in a helmet. What, what, what's going on here? I know, man, I think, uh, I think Mama Kim's going to have to switch her alliance now. She's going to have to have <laughs> Sam Hartman in her, in her top five. She did not watch <laughs> it yesterday because uh, she was busy, but I'm gonna, next time she sees it, I'm going to have to point, her out, point it out to her and see what she has to say. <laughs> well, look, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, head coach Kirby Paul Smart comes out last weekend, or I guess uh, Saturday, and made the statement after the scrimmage that Carson Beck will be the dog's starting quarterback. Obviously, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone. That was everyone's expectation. But I think it's a little bit different for Coach Smart to come out and just proclaim that. I feel like even with Stetson, I don't know if that, I don't know if I remember him making a proclamation like that, that he would be the starting quarterback. But it does make me feel good because obviously he feels comfortable with where it sits. And I think I am too, man. I, I think it's a, and I posted something about this last week and we talked about it a little off air, but I think it's a different equation given that they're not going to Oklahoma week two, right? I have a lot less angst about the quarterback position because we're going to get a little bit of ramp up time, which gives me some security for them to all get in line. And um, yeah, I mean, I know you weren't surprised, but what did you think about the proclamation, as it were, that, that he's going to be the starter? As usual, I don't think he does anything unintentionally. I think that he yeah. did this as a way to motivate Brock and Gunner. I think more so Brock, honestly. I think that this was the year with Brock coming from a single-A Christian school that they were really hoping. I think they were hoping he would develop sooner. And he hasn't, and I think they were expecting a big jump this year. And I don't know this from anything I've read or anything like that. I just don't think he's made the jump that they were expecting from last year to this year. Um, I remember we talked about it before uh, spring ball that I didn't think they were going to name any name anybody in the spring because they simply didn't want anyone to transfer. They didn't want to be stuck with two scholarship quarterbacks because that was just going to put them thin. 
and it was going to be an open competition into the fall, but it was Carson's job to lose. But I thought Brock had an inside track on number two, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gunner won it. I would not be surprised if Gunner's number two week one. It would not, like if Carson goes down, I would not be surprised if we see Gunner going it. Just Brock's got all the physical tools, but I just don't think he's put it all together. I could kind of think he, if he does end up transferring, we're looking at like a Mac quarterback type situation. Yeah, I'm real interested to see how this first month goes because I think the expectation is that three of the four games are going to be unmitigated blowouts, right? Like the expectation is that the Tennessee Martin game, the uh, UAB game, and the uh, Ball State game are all going to be over by halftime is what everybody's expectation is. So then I think the thought is, and this will be one of those things that we will see how it plays out, but I think they want to get – Brock and Gunner snaps in live games. And I think their hope is that that happens in those three games. And really, I think their hope is that it happens even in the South Carolina game, just to, for them to get some game reps. And I know Brock had some last year, but let's be honest, they were all just, you know, handoff hand left, handoff right. Like it, there was, there was nothing there. I'd like to see them work the offense a little bit. I will say this, the two things I am watching intently with Carson is I think two of the things that we don't talk about enough with Stetson is one, dude, the way he extended plays, right? Like if stuff wasn't there, the way he made things happen. And I think for me, one of his signature plays, and obviously it's a signature play because of what he did after he scored the touchdown, but brother, that touchdown against Tennessee, when he escapes out of the pocket and essentially makes something out of nothing and dives and hits the pylon, that's a big time play, right? I mean, that's a Heisman highlight type moment. Does Carson have that ability? Does Carson have, A, the ability to extend plays and, B, the uh, ability to do something with his feet? We'll see. I think he's a good athlete. I just I don't know yet. I don't know if that's his game, right? I, I envision him much more as a, as a pocket, traditional you know, pocket passer. So we'll see on that. The other piece is, and I'm just going to be blunt and say it, how big are his balls, right? I mean, Stetson was unparalleled when it came to just letting it all hang out and not being afraid of the moment. Is Carson going to have that? There's going to be a point in the season where he's going to have to win or lose a ball game. And remains to be seen, right? So, man, th- those are the two things I really got an eye on. And we'll see, man. I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? The play against Tennessee isn't the type of play I think that concerns me the most about Carson. Carson is athletic enough to, to make some runs. He is just, he's bigger than Stetson, so he looks like he's unathletic, but he's not. He's just bigger, so he looks kind of lumbering when he runs. So he looks awkward, but he's not unathletic. So I think he can run. It's, I think more around the play that I don't think he can make is going back to week one against Oregon, where he, where Stetson kind of runs around in circles and then throws the lad in the corner. Yeah. That's the type of play where I don't think we'll see, granted, not many people can make that type of play let's be fair right um right, but right. those are the types of plays where i think that he would try to extend because he he trusts himself and it ends up going from a seven yard loss to a 17 yard loss that's more yeah. what i'd be concerned about with carson in regards to him having the stones man i'll tell you what carson is not lacking for confidence that boy thinks he can make every single pl- um, throw on the field that play i can't remember what game it was but he got in and threw that touchdown um, to he was rolling to his right and he threw it to the right pylon and I mean he threaded the needle 
to get it there. It was probably like a seven or eight yard touchdown, but he probably threw it probably 25 yards across, like from, cause he was running from the left hash to the right. And I mean, he thinks he can make every throw. I'm not worried about that. When it comes to big moments, we will see. I think it's going to be tough because I don't think we're going to know that until November. I don't think it's going to yeah. come a situation to where we're going to know anything about that type of thing. It may not even be till December. I mean, we really don't know because we don't know what Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Tennessee, we don't know what they're going to be like. We don't know what Auburn's going to be like. It may not be till the SEC championship. Yeah, there I think sets up a lot of possibility for 2023 to have a lot of parallels to 2021. But I will say this. I do think there's more opportunity for them to have tighter contests this year. Because, look, man, I think that Tennessee game is going to be real. They're going to have to go to Rocky Top. They're going to have to deal with that offense. They're going to have to you know, use their offense properly in that environment. I mean, I think that's going to be a challenge, which I don't know that they necessarily had in 2021. I think that Ole Miss game is going to be a little spicier than anybody's really talked about thus far. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong about that. Who knows? Ole Miss may come out and lay an egg the first month of the season, and, and who knows. But I'm interested in that matchup, and I'm interested about when they go to the Plains, man. I Look, Hugh Freeze is a good football coach. He's probably ethically bankrupt, but he's a great football coach. And so I think that Auburn game is going to be a little more compelling than maybe we've given it credit for, and I just always think going to the Plains and, and asserting your will is, you know, it's a test. So – yeah, but I agree with you. I, I don't. I don't know when we're going to find out. Find that out. I mean, look. I don't think any of us thought Missouri was going to be one of those games where we had to figure some things out. So, who knows where it may end up on the calendar? But that's certainly something to watch for. Now, speaking of that, I think one of the other reasons Carson's storyline becomes that much more compelling is the continued attrition in the running back room. It was not a fantastic week for the running back room. I feel like we've talked about this. All month, all throughout fall camp, but Dejan nursing an injury. Uh, Kendall still nursing his injury. Uh, Branson, unfortunately, out for the year, which just breaks your heart for that kid because I really thought he was gearing up to have another you know, great year, contributing a bunch, and uh, such a weapon for that offense. So, man, I mean, where we sit now, and let me ask you this, too, while it's in my mind. You know, Leneth Whitehead transfers in from Tennessee, local kid. I haven't heard a peep about it. Like, he just completely off the radar. Like, even with all the attrition, we're hearing about Cash Jones and not him, so I feel like that's very telling in and of itself. But I don't know, man. As we've been forecasting, I think Cash Jones is about to be in that box score for uh, the first month of the season. As far as Whitehead goes, reading the tea leaves because we haven't heard anything about him, I mean, he did come and transfer in, but he transferred in as a preferred walk-on, if I remember correctly. He's not on scholarship. Yeah, I think that's right. So coming in... I think he's below Clark, who's another walk-on, and another walk-on Yeah, on the pecking order. So, like, he's – like, if everyone was healthy, I think he'd be seventh on the death chart. Maybe eighth. Yeah. Um, so, I don't think that that's going to work out. And you got to remember, when he was recruited to Tennessee, if I – I'm almost positive he was recruited as a linebacker, not a running back. Now, he played running back in high school. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm almost positive yeah, I, I remember reading that. That, that that they moved him to running back due to injuries because he played running back, and then they just didn't move him back. But I remember he was a four-star. I'm almost positive he was a four-star linebacker. Yeah, man. I just It's just been interesting, right? We've been talking about Cash Jones catching the ball at the backfield, playing the Kenny role. Really what this is going to come down to with everything 
it's terrible for Branson what happened to him. Wish him the speedy recovery because I really think he was poised to be the breakout guy in that backfield. Dejon's nursing an MCL sprain. They're hoping he'll be able to go week one, but really not sure we need him. Andrew Paul, hoping he'll be 100%, but he's coming off an ACL tear a year ago. Really, who knows if he'll be 100% or realistically, we've never seen him in a college level. We really don't know what he is at this point. Yeah. Roderick yeah. Robertson is a true freshman. He's a tank. I've been saying this, like he's more, you know, your three, four yard guy who might burst it to 15, but he's not going to be someone who's going to outrun people. That's just not his style. Who knows with Kendall? If he gets healthy, are we going to get him for the full season? Or are we going to get him for three to four games? I don't want that to be, I don't want to bank on Kendall. Like I, w- I th- I'd be okay if we could have Dejon as our one, see what Andrew is as our two, Cash as our third down back, uh, receiving threat. And then if Kendall's healthy, great. But I don't want that to be what we're banking on because I just, I love Kendall. He's a great kid. I just can't trust him at this point. Everybody talks about this, you and me included, and I think it gets focused on too much. But we talk about catching the ball and the carries and the burstability and all those things. And obviously that's all important out of the running back position. But the thing that we don't talk about nearly enough, which I think we've been in all honesty spoiled with, with our running back room for a long time is let's talk about their role in pass protection and blitz pickup and adjusting to checks at the line and all these different things where maybe you don't see it or notice it. And it obviously doesn't show up in the box score, but it matters. And so that's another thing I've thought as Cash Jones' name keeps coming up is, look, man, maybe they feel good about him from a blitz pickup perspective, from a blocking perspective, and they trust that he's going to do what that position is supposed to do when they're called upon in those situations. So that's another thing where we're like when we talk about Andrew Paul and we talk about Roger Robertson, all these type things, young guys who haven't been on that stage, who haven't done it yet, don't have that experience Dude, that's a big one. I think that's a big facet of that to watch as we start week one, week two, and then get into the SEC schedule with week three. So I, that's another reason why you hope Kendall gets healthy, you hope Dejon's healthy, because I think that experience and that seniority, that's where you really see it show up is in those scenarios. And we're talking if one of those plays is missed, you're looking at sack fumble instead of an incompletion or maybe a five to ten yard game, right? Yeah, man, I, that's, one, that's one of the things I feel, I guess, the most leery about is where we sit in the running back room. Now, let's transition real quick to something we haven't talked about, I feel like, all offseason, but another thing we've been spoiled at is place kicker. So we really don't know what we're getting. I mean, I think the assumption is, all accounts, is Jared Zirkel, it's his job. And from seeing him uh, at G-Day Live and then seeing him at G-Day on TV, that boy can kick it now. I mean, it ain't about leg strength or anything like that. That's, that's not the issue, but he's got no live reps. So I I think that's something we got to track, you know, I mean, hopefully they're not playing close enough games where it matters, but at some point they will. And we don't know what we got. I mean, I feel great about the punter from down under. No, no, no issues there. Place kicker unknown commodity right now. So yeah, I mean, our good buddy, Brooke Whitmire always brings up the special teams. So that's, that's one I'm, I'm looking at. I am worried about kicker because of the fact I feel Kirby's worried about kicker. Yeah, yeah. And if Kirby's worried about it, then I'm worried about it. Now, he hasn't come out and said anything, 
but he also hasn't come out and given any ringing endorsements yeah. either. Yeah. So, and, and not that he ever really gives any glowing endorsements anyway. He doesn't want to get any he- anyone's head too big. But there was never any real negative about Rod or Pod or anything like that. But there's not any anything about the kicking competition. Yeah. And that's that makes me nervous. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not good. One way or another, he's not saying anything. I'm like, that that makes me think that it very well could be a kicking competition through these first couple of weeks. Like if we get a big lead, like we're expecting in these first couple of games, we could potentially see both kickers get a shot. Well, look, we can't talk about special teams and not talk about the long snapper and our boy, William Moat, up for the Manly Award for best long snapper in the country. So look, well, I think we need like a campaign poster for our boy. And it'll just say, Moat for Manly. I mean, it works perfect. So we'll get on that. We'll get some graphics around that. But everybody, like we always say, hashtag know your snappers. Don't worry. The graphic is coming Saturday morning for game one. So do not, do not <laughs> stress. It's happening. And we're also going to have some Moat for Manly stuff. I got some stuff churning here. But so fired up for our boy. And gosh, I hope he wins it. I would just be beside myself if our long snapper won the freaking manly award. So yeah, good for Moat, man. That's awesome. All right, defense. Let's talk about defense real quick, and then I want to get some season predictions from you. But everybody nationally seems to feel like the defense could be better than it was in 21. And I think there's certainly some potential for that. I think the depth is just incredible. Like Seth Emerson put out his perceived depth chart for the start of the season. And some of the names that weren't on there, in all honesty, are as shocking as the ones that were, which I think speaks to what the depth is. And so if you have any, what are your concerns about the dog's defense heading into the season? It's, it's health. I mean, that's yeah. the main concern is health. Without Smile, the first probably month of the season and how the development of Jalen Walker – um, that's a big concern, but I think Jalen's going to be just fine, especially with the month of the season being the way it is. And realistically, I'm not really, this isn't really a concern, but it's, I'm interested to see how this plays out because I think this is another competition that's going to play out throughout the season. From all intents and purposes, it seems like Tyke's the star. Yeah. That seems to be what it is. Yep. The other corner opposite Kamari. I, I have no idea. Like, I don't think we're really going to know until who steps out on that field for the first play on defense. Yeah. But I still think that that's a fluid competition. I've heard great things about Humphrey and Everett. I, I just don't know. And then everybody keeps talking about how great Harris looks, the true freshman, and how great Nylon Greens looked. And But it's just the other two are have played. I mean, you got to remember, there was talk Humphrey was going to transfer. Yeah. Or basically that it was a foregone conclusion. He was gone. And now he's battling it out for starter. I'm very interested to see how that dynamic changes with Bullard moving back to moving to safety, which I understand that was the position he was recruited at, but he was so dominant at star. And just seeing how the how it gels, because it's that's basically I know Bullard was a starter, but it's three he's in a different position. So basically it's three new starters and two new starters and three different position switches. So I'm, I'm just curious how the secondary gels. We've talked about this before. Uh, I just am never going to stop talking about it. Can we just talk about the, cu- the curious case of Nyland Green? Yeah. Like, I, that guy, 
is everything you want physically from a boundary corner. Like if you see him in uniform on the field, the way he moves, all the things, right? Like he's the prototype. He's the guy you want. Like he is what you, I think, envision out of a Nick Saban corner in Tuscaloosa and obviously what you envision out of a Kirby Smart corner now in Athens. I, I can't figure it out, man. Like I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, 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 my assumption is that it's just a he, he's not able to apply whatever principles they have defensively, right? And they don't feel they can trust him. I mean, I just, I, I can't figure it out. That is a kid I thought was going to have so much run so much earlier than it's happened, which I guess that's the difficult part about this, right? Is forecasting what a guy is going to look like out of high school. So yeah, well, I don't know, man. That, that's a, that's a head scratcher for me. You just never know with these kids. I, it yeah. also could be one of those things that the other guys are just that much better. Yeah. And yeah. they really could just be that. He just could have gotten you know recruited over, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it happens. And no doubt, it's just a, that's one that continues to surprise me. So, okay, I'm going to nail you down now. Give me some predictions here. What are the dogs going to do? What's the season outcome? And then who do they play along the way in the postseason? 12-0 and 0 is very realistic. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. I have them versus LSU in the SEC championship. My playoff prediction is I think Michigan is far and away the best team in the Big Ten this year. Michigan is really the only team of the, the big teams that have – the, mo- the most returning starters, like in skill positions. I mean, they got Corum back, they got McCarthy, and they've got the most skill positions back. So I think that they're far and away the best team in the Big Ten, and their schedule is, you know, everybody talks about how terrible Georgia's schedule is. Their schedule's just as bad. I mean, they're they're one, they got Penn State and Ohio State. Other than that, it's the sisters of the poor. So I pr- can almost guarantee you, if, if they beat Ohio State, they're in. But I'm not 100% sure that Ohio State, with their changes, they, they haven't named a quarterback, quote-unquote, but for all intents and purposes, they know who their starter is. What's Ohio State going to be like this year? So, yeah. who knows? I would be shocked if Bama doesn't make have a better year. I could see Bama backing into the playoffs like they did in 2017. Losing to LSU, but that being their only loss, not making the SEC championship game, and then we've got a – it's between LSU and Bama you know, for who gets in there. And then that being that conundrum. And then because even though LS, but LSU would, LSU would somehow have two losses, they'd lose one more in there. So it'd be like the situation where Georgia didn't get in in 2018. I'm not sold on this Bama being over. Like I agree with the game day cast about how Saban's revenge or stuff like that. I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't think they're going to be dominant, but I don't think they're going to go, you know, eight and four or anything like that. Like this is a still a 10 and two, 11 and one team. Like they're still going to be good. But as far as my playoff predictions, I've got Georgia one, Michigan two. I think both of them probably run the table. I think they're both undefeated going into the playoffs. I've got Bama at four and I'm going to go. This is my surprise. I'm going to go with Oregon at three. Oh, I like it. Ooh, and I'm like probably going to regret that like week four, but that's my, that's my surprise. No, I like that because I'll lead off with this. I don't think USC will win the Pac-12. Oh, no. So I, I 
feel very, very secure in saying that. I think they may lose two games in the regular season just because that defense is atrocious again. And as magical as Caleb Williams is, I just I don't think it's enough, man. I think they're going to lose a football game or two, and they will not be in the playoff again. So, yeah, Oregon, super compelling. Bo Nix is back. Dan Lanning, second year to recruit and build that defense. Yeah, man, that that's – Pac-12 is super interesting to me this year. A lot of teams you and I both like. I think, I think that conference is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, I don't expect any any playoff pushes from the Big 12. I know everybody and their mama's talking about Texas being back. I just I just don't see it, man. I that's going to be one of those I will not be on board until I see it with my own two eyes. I just yep. I, no, not not going to do it. I agree with you. I think Michigan's in. I think they run the table again. I think having the experience back at quarterback, JJ McCarthy can do it with his arm, he can do it with his feet. They're they're going to run through that and I think they have shown the last 2 years Whatever it is, whatever they have seen and whatever they know, boy, they own the Buckeyes right now. And so that's yet to be yet to be seen. And, and to your point, man, I do think we don't we've we've kind of just given Ohio State the benefit of the doubt because of what they generally are and what they do. But homie, they're not just replacing like some nobody at quarterback. So I think that's a bigger deal than than is getting talked about. Is, is replacement of productivity at that position for them so yeah i i think they're a one team let me talk to you about this florida state everybody's sexy pick there's been a lot of noise about clemson acc crashing this party at all or are they non-factor in any of this i don't see an acc champion where they don't have two losses i'm not i don't think florida state beats lsu a week one even with mason smith out Mm -hmm. i don't i just don't see it not that i think lsu some juggernaut I just don't think Florida Florida State's on the rise. I just don't think Florida State's there yet. I don't think they're there. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with LSU. And I just, I just don't see it yet. I don't think they have the weapons to beat LSU's defense. Not that I think that LSU's going to put up 60 or anything. But it's yeah. just I just don't see it, see it yet. And I think that the ACC is competitive enough, top to bottom, to where... They're, whoever wins that conference, whether it be Clemson or Florida State, is probably going to have two losses. Okay, after week four, Notre Dame is four and zero and have just just beaten the Buckeyes. That's compelling. Do they start creeping? Do they, do they start creeping into this equation for you? They would be the fourth team over Bama in that situation if they go undefeated for me. Yeah, I think they are the worst enemy of conferences hoping to get two teams. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how I see it. Notre Dame is the party spoiler for conferences hoping to get two teams. And when we say conferences hoping to get two teams, we are 98% talking about the SEC and 2% talking about the Big, the Big Ten, Ten if if Ohio State's only blemish is Michigan, which effectively would knock Notre Dame out anyways, right? Because they would have beaten Notre Dame. So yeah, Dame. I think Ohio State losing to Notre Dame causes them big problems. But I do think it creates a really interesting scenario where – Let's say the Irish beat the Buckeyes. Then the Buckeyes hand the Wolverines their only loss of the season. And so all of them finish the season 11-1. and one. Let's say Notre Dame stumbles somewhere along the line, right? Dude, I, I think that's fascinating to, to see how that all plays out. 
Um, I am with you. I think Georgia goes 12 and up. I think it's third straight season of undefeated regular season, which is bananas. Let's just start with that and incredible. And then I'm with you. I also think they play LSU in the title game. I just, again, talking about losing people, I know Alabama's Alabama and Nick Saban's Nick Saban, and that always makes me nervous. But when you are replacing Bryce Young at quarterback and Will Anderson on defense, brother, those are two special, special players where you're replacing productivity and leadership and all these things. And woo, Coach Saban has said a lot of interesting read-between-the-line things about that quarterback position. So I think they are very nervous and very unsettled, not to mention they have two new coordinators on both sides of the football. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, you, you hate to, to bet against Saban, and I certainly am not one prone to do it. But I will say this. I think they are as vulnerable as they have been in a long time. I mean, this is the other part, homie, about them that I feel like nobody's touching on a bunch. Do you not feel like the interior offensive and defensive line for them, it ain't your mama's Alabama offensive and defensive lines, right? Like, it's not where all five dudes going to be taken in April on each side. (laughs) Like, it's not that anymore. And I think that's a piece of it that gets discounted a little bit. I completely agree, and I don't understand why everyone seems to have forgotten the last two years and what they are expecting to have changed from last season to this season. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. keeps talking about how they're gonna, they want to be more physical and they want to pound you to death, like 2010s, 2009, 2010s Alabama teams. And I'm like, did you not watch their offensive line last season? It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What changed? Did they all, did they get five players from the transfer portal? I'm not aware of. Did you do you expect them to make drastic leaps from one year to the next? I don't get it. I don't get the what they're expecting to be so different. Unless they're expecting scheme to be different, I I don't understand why they're expecting this huge jump. It's like they're just so afraid to bet against Saban. I don't ever want to bet against Saban. I would never put real money against Saban if it came right down to yeah. it. I never would. But I don't see Alabama being this dominant team. I see them being a team that has a shot to back into the playoff. It's just, I think that West is going to be a lot of fun this year, just because I think there's going to be a ton of really fun games. I think Arkansas is going to be a thorn in a lot of people's sides. I think, yeah, it's just going to be fun, man. I think the whole conference is going to be fun, but I think that West is going to be a lot of fun. Um, to your point with the playoffs, I, I think it's it's Georgia, it's Michigan. I think these last two, it's 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 just really up in the air for me. I think if Florida State beats LSU and then is able to run through that conference, I, I think they'll have a shot. I, a little bit of remain to be seen on that. Um, yeah, man, I, I didn't thought about Oregon. I, that's a that's a fun pick. I I could see that. I could totally see that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I have, I have no feel for what kind of that back half will look like, like who, who those two will be. That's why, to your point, absent Notre Dame crashing that party, I think it really does open the door for a second SEC team, whether that's the LSU as the loser of the SEC title game or maybe Alabama who loses a close one to LSU. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's, I don't have a lot of feel for that right now, and I don't know. 
I guess Georgia will be in the sugar if that's what happens, which is a, li- is a little bit of a bummer because I'd love to see him back at the Rose yeah. Bowl. But I don't know, though, man. Who knows? Maybe Kirby will say I don't want him to have to deal with the distractions of Bourbon Street. But I think he still feels a little snake bit from being out west and then having to travel back east for that title game. But maybe they mitigate that with title game being in Houston, and they say, well, look, we'll just go straight from Pasadena to Houston, and it's six and one half dozen in the other, you know? So who knows? Well, there's also the there's also a lot more time in between the games now. True. Saturday to Monday, like it was. It, it was yeah, it was a pretty quick turn. I think it was, I think it was only like eight days, so a lot, lot quicker turn. Yeah. Well, so next time we'll talk, we'll have Ray Fulcher with us. He's going to be week one guest picker. Not just going to be talking ball with us, but also going to be talking about their big show at the Georgia Theater on Thursday night. Him and Jordan Rowe and Logan Crosby. All former guests on the show, which we love. All Georgia graduates. All love the dogs. Uh, I think it's just such a cool, cool event. We will be in the house. Me and the wife are having a little a little overnight date, brother. I'm pretty jacked up about that. And going to be in the Classic City. So, yeah, man. I, I mean, we're excited to talk to Ray. And hopefully he can break the week one curse where he has an awesome week. But we're going to tell him on the show that he gets a mulligan if he wants. So if things go a little sideways week one, we'll let him back in on the action later in the year. Because I do think you're handicapped a little bit week one. But, uh, homie, we're going to have a hard time getting 10 games. It's not a great slate. It is an awful slate. Yeah, it's really bad. It is an absolutely – I found a video that ranked the most intriguing – weeks by their games week one out of the 14 weeks is the 13th worst week yeah. do you know what the worst week is week three yeah it's dude it's it's not it's it's a rough first month of college football for matchups yeah. just in general the slate is not great for the weekend i mean that that lsu florida state game is gonna be awesome but outside of that man i mean that's it that's really it there's nothing else the, the do you know what the number two most intriguing matchup is for week one what florida utah yeah, which, well, I will say this: Cam Rise is not healthy, right? I've, that's I've that's seen, what makes it more. But I mean, this this video came out like in the middle of the summer, so that was before that you know was even known, like became a thing. Yeah. This was before fall camp started. That was still the second most intriguing matchup of the week. I love the Utes in a revenge game at home. I love them. <laughs> love yeah. them. I, I could care less who's at quarterback. I, Florida's a dumpster fire. I do like the fact that the line's dropping, though. Like It may be even. It may be a pick em by the time the kick without Cam Rising at quarterback. Yeah, I, I like that. I may have to put some um, real-life money on that. I, I, I could get enticed. I, and you know, the other thing, it is a sucker bet. I think it's a Thursday night game. Isn't, it? isn't that Thursday night? Yeah, it's a Thursday night game. Yeah, we'll sucker bet. But also makes it more fun, I think. So, yeah. All right, well, I'm excited for the debauchery to – again again and for us to pick and so yeah brother i'm jacked up do you have any uh season predictions for players you think we're any uh, we're actually going to get anywhere with a thousand yard receiver thousand yard rusher sack leaders anything like that yeah yeah uh yeah that's a good question i think you know everybody's obviously on brock to be first thousand yard receiver i just man we've had two straight years where we had 15 games and he hadn't done it and I, I think a lot of that depends on the competitiveness of the games because I think the tighter the games, the more opportunity there is for Brock to get yards and catches. So that part of it, I think, makes it a little difficult. The other piece of it is, look, homie, let's be real. It's not like it's just him and everybody else just a pair of shoes. Like They got plenty of dudes, capital D, to catch the football. 
So I think that's the other piece of it is they're going to want to spread it out and get it to different guys. So I don't know, man, because of that, the thousand yard thing still just seems a little bit outside of their own possibility. So I'm going to, I'm going to say no on that. I don't feel that thousand yard rusher. We chatted a little bit about this via text. If there is a lack of health, but one of them, whether it's Dejan or Kendall, ends up getting 80% of the carries, I think one of them would be a 1,000-yard rusher for sure. I think if they're getting the bulk of the carries, they have the build for that. So let's just say this. I feel more confident with a 1,000-yard rusher if everybody's healthy and equal than a 1,000-yard receiver. So I'll put that out there. I'll also say this. I think Carson could throw for more yards than Stetson did last year. That's my big one that I don't think is getting enough run. I think they're going to throw the football a lot. And so, yeah. I mean, and look at look at the Mike Bobo offenses. Look at what Aaron did in those offenses. I mean, I think that's a possibility. I think he could have a big year. Uh, sack leader, it's got to be the obvious one, right? I mean, for, it's Michael Williams, I, I think. It has to be him. I, I'm going to go out on limbs on all of this. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's it for me. And I think it's going to be Javon Bullard with picks. I think he will... I think he's going to have a bunch of picks, man. He just seems like the kind of guy who has a honing device for the football. That, that's how he strikes me. So, yeah, that's what I'll say. I'm going to go with no 1,000-yard rusher again. I think Carson has a good shot at more than Stetson last year. Yeah. I think they're going to throw out a necessity due to lack of health in the backfield. Yep. I think there is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, not tight end. Yeah. I don't okay. know who, but I think there's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. And I'm going to choose uh, Marvin Jones Jr. as leader, sack leader this year. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. As far as um, interception leader, it's always a crapshoot because you just never know who's going to get targeted. Yeah. Um, but to not be – I was going to go Bullard as well, but to not be the same, I will go with uh, – I'll go with Taiki. I'll go with Taiki. Okay. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's out of the box. Um, yeah, I could get on board with 1,000 yard receiver. You know how I'd love it to be? Sure would love it to be oh, with Boyer and Smith. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. I actually, I actually would love it to be Marcus, you know, leader of the group, or the old man in the room, so to speak. I, I'd, like, I'd like Marcus to get it. I'll tell you what, Dom or Ladd could both be candidates for that, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think Dom is going to have a huge year. Boy, I do too, man. All of the. All of the read-between-the-line comments from coaches and players are that he has been very, very impressive. Not just in camp, but since he showed up on campus. And so that is, he is one to watch for me. I think, I read something where an NFL scout said he could play himself into a top 50 player in the draft. And that's meaningful. So, yeah, he is, he is one to watch, I think, as we progress. And a full season of healthy Arian Smith, I am just beyond excited about. So, well, homie, gosh, we made it. The long winter is over. <laughs> it is freaking game week, brother. So we will talk again Tuesday. And then, uh, yeah, man, y'all holler at us with your predictions and comments, and we'll keep tabs on things and see who's right and see who's, see who's wrong. So until next time. Go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Today's George is better now.